Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, today is Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Doug, got anything planned? Well, I uh, just I went out last night with my wife. Oh, nice. We did it early. Uh, and you know what we went to see? We went to see Redeeming Love. Oh, how'd you like it? You know, I really liked it. It was, I thought it had a great message in it. In fact, it was so great that today I was sharing with somebody at the Y, you need to go see it because of the Redeeming Message, hence the title, Redeeming yeah. Love. But I really, I really liked it on a lot of levels. You know, earlier we had talked about the possibility or one somebody who did a review said, you know, her husband struggled with pornography, so she wouldn't take him to see it. Oh. Uh, I, I disagree. Uh, and the reason is because uh, the movie really probably like the book. I haven't read the book. You have three times, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it shows the objectification of women and women who probably if they're in the the sex trade industry, whether by their own choice or by being forced into it through trafficking, they're victims. Mm -hmm. Even if they make the choice, most of the women that make the choice is to survive. Uh, They somehow have been abused. They somehow uh, are gotten into the drug habit and that's all they, you know, but, but it was just, it was awful the way they were treated. And yet uh, the, you know, the movie was about redeeming love and the pursuit, uh, really based on the, the Hosea, you know, passages of, of God pursuing his people. And it just reminded me in my own life of his pursuit of me, even though I keep stiff arming him, I hmm. keep pushing back, pushing back. And, uh, you know, I just think, uh, I think it's a good movie for people to see, and it's a good story. I, I again, I didn't read the book, but you said the book's better than the movie. So, oh yeah, you know, I think that's always the case. Uh, but the book is much more in depth, um, and you know, they uh, are both the same. You know, themed the same. It's just that uh, I really did enjoy the book when I was younger. Read it like like you said a few times, uh, but I did. I, I like the movie too. I thought it uh, did a good job of portraying you know the main uh, overarching narrative of. Uh, the book, but it did cut out a, a ton that was was really good. And you know, you were talking about uh, you know, kind of the exploitation that uh, some of the characters had to go through in that, and how it, and, and in the movie, I don't think it showed anything in a light that was like, oh, this is a positive, right? You know, there was uh, a scene where there was like some scantily clad, but it, it, you felt like, oh gosh, like you did not feel like a any sort of like a oh wow no type of feeling it oh was, no it was it was um uh, it, it was tastefully done the whole thing and i thought it brought out and one of the things that i i liked about the movie is two people in the movie who shouldn't have gotten something good mm. got 
better than they deserve. Yeah. And that, isn't that the story of redemption? I mean, yeah. we don't deserve what we get, but I, I think a lot of times we start to feel like we do. I mean, uh, anyway, so anyway, we went out last night and, uh, it, it was, it was good. We had a, had a couple of people in the theater causing issues. First time. Oh, I wow. Met, really? We, yeah. Lori, you know, Lori, <laughs> Lori told them she got up and gave them the mom evil eye <laughs> and then went out and, um, she had to get a manager to come basically ask him to leave because they were being disruptive and it's the first time we've ever had to do that in a theater uh and then we were the only ones in the theater (laughs) so so anyway um but it is monday you're listening to swat radio swat stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth and um i guess you know there was a football game last night i think while we were at the movie (laughs) um you know uh, uh la rams ended up uh winning and um which we kind of thought, uh, but you know, so I guess it was a good game. Did you watch it at all? Yeah, yeah. Went over to my parents' house. Uh, you know, every Super Bowl Sunday, we usually have you know the f- a family get together. So did that again, and yeah, watched the game. It was uh, you know fun to watch. Uh, I didn't care who won. It would have been a cool story. I feel like either way. Uh, you know, a few injuries though. Uh, Odell Beckham had a, a I would assume is going to end up being something that he tore. Uh, which is sad to see that for a player. Yeah. Um, looked like Joe Burrow was going to have something similar, but he was able to come back into the game. Um, and yeah, well, it was yeah, a good game. I saw even Matt Stafford, I think, got. Yeah, uh, dinged up a little bit, rolled yeah, I saw, I saw mm-hmm. the highlights. What about that receiver for the Rams, man? Cut. Cuff. Oh, oh, Cooper Cup. Cup. Yeah, Cup. yeah, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, in that I, last I, drive. Yeah. yeah, the highlights of him. He reminded me a lot of Danny Amendola, just kind of, mm. or, or who was the other guy for New England, this gritty, uh, you know, the little number 11. Uh, yeah. uh, Ju- Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. Yeah. Just gritty, tough receivers, because he took a really bad shot in the end zone one time and just got up. But, you know, happy for them. Again, a lot of money spent. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that all the – the celebrity people <laughs> did not wear a mask out there. All the ones pushing you to wear a mask, they're in commercials telling you to wear a mask. They weren't wearing a mask. And they're in a state where it's mandated to wear a mask. Uh, so I guess it doesn't matter for them. And I think they don't that's care. Uh, yeah, proof that uh, you know the COVID uh, craziness is dying out even among you know its, its most hardened zealots. So. Yeah, and the mayor of L.A. was without a mask again out there. So, uh, yeah. After the last time he said he was holding his breath, uh, that was kind of he said he was holding his breath for a picture uh, on the last game, and then this game they caught him again. And I don't think he's going to say anything about it. If he was smart, he'd just kind of let it blow over. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, a couple of uh, couple of mixed emotion things uh, in Meridian. Uh, you know, our listeners on WMER there. I uh, just wanted to let y'all know to keep the Carter family lifted up in your prayers. Miss D. Carter uh, passed away. Brad Carter's wife, and um, uh, just uh, so appreciate the Carters, and uh, they're making it possible for us to be on the air in uh, that part of eastern Mississippi. So uh, keep them lifted up, as well as uh, Lolita Smith, uh, the wife of Gil Smith. Gil was a SWAT brother here in Jacksonville, and uh, I think the world's a little dimmer with both these out uh, of the world and uh, in the presence of the Lord. Uh, they both love Jesus, and they both are in his presence. And um, we just remember the families 
But, uh, yeah, Gil, uh, some of you who uh, haven't uh, heard of Gil or maybe you're just tuning in, if you go to SWATradio.com and uh, click on the search and put in Gil Smith, uh, you will uh, hear a great testimony of God's redemptive love in his life. And uh, I know that uh, Lolita and their daughter and their family are really just sad that he's gone uh, to be with Jesus. And so remember them. Uh, we just remember them, and uh, we just pray that, uh, you know, God would give them grace and comfort and uh, strength. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing Gil when we get on the other side. And and Miss D, too. I think Miss D did something called Romper Room. Uh, in Mississippi, or when we were growing up, there was some kind of like thing on the TV. Hmm. I think she was associated with, if I remember right. But anyway, um, just a big shout out uh, to their family, praying for uh, both the Smiths and the Carters today. And um, again, it is Valentine's uh, Day, which uh, you know it's just a day to be reminded of a gift if you have a gift from God. Uh, you know, and, and uh, a married re- marriage relationship, that's uh, a good thing. And uh, remember to uh, bless your wife with something today. And so I know my wife is probably, I think she's driving right now. So I, she's got an appointment to go do something. So I know she's probably listening. So Steve, I'm going to give this a try. I don't, I have mm-hmm. never done this, but I'm going to see if it works. Okay. And this is, I'm going to. I don't can't hear anything, Steve. So I don't know if it's working. Oh, there we go. Is that coming through? No. Is it? Can you hear it? No. Well, that ain't working too well. So we must not be doing anyway. That's. Lori, one of my own, Lori's favorite songs. So uh, that's called The Glory of Love. Oh, there you Cetera. go. Have you, have you ever heard that? I have, um, but not enough that I would. I, I just recognize it a little bit there. Yeah. Um, not enough that I could sing the words, you know. But It's from The Karate Kid, man. Come on. Oh. You didn't know that? I've seen The Karate Kid. Well, not you've seen the new one probably. No, no. I've seen the original. Well, it's a, I'm going to play it here.
That's Peter Cetera, and that's one of our favorite songs. We got to go see Peter uh, about four years ago, and maybe five, in Nashville with a symphony, the Nashville Symphony. And it was one of his last concerts. He doesn't do any concerts anymore. Mm. But it was as if he was singing like 40 years ago when he recorded that thing. It was really good. Now, this was a secular artist, right? Oh, that's Peter Cetera, but I love the song. I, I, no, I'm saying did the opening of the uh, – he's saying something. I don't – oh, Chica- he's from well, Chicago? Yeah, well, oh. it, it was, he was with Chicago. Oh, okay. He okay. was a lead singer for Chicago. But the, uh, the, the, the beginning of the chorus there, I'll be a man that fights for your honor – um i'll be the hero yeah. you've been dreaming of yeah we'll live forever just think of think you know. about well, the there's lyrics so many. now well yeah you, it, know. It, you know the the love songs now are you know bend over b word and this <laughs> oh, and this and that oh, you know man. what i'm saying like that's it's, what it is and that was a secular song in the 80s that is much like man that's actually oh that's impactful i like th- those lyrics and now we're just uh, a, a degenerate culture and it's uh sad to yeah. look back and notice that yeah I, I i think that's what made that song so good um you know just the lyrics even in the verses um you know if you go back to uh what he said you know in the in the like the the the, the different verses it's uh there's so many things i want to say i always love you i would never leave you but i just forgets and i say things i might regret we, we we all are human. We're flawed, and it, and you know none of us. Do you really think when people are fighting or when people are upset with one another, that's where they want to be? They don't. And one of the things about that movie, Redeeming Love, that was so great was just the forgiveness, the mm. forgiveness. And you know what Jesus said: "As I forgive you, go and do likewise." You know, you've been forgiven much. Go forgive much. Um, and I think of that story of the lady who who just, you know, washed his feet with her tears. She was overwhelmed, not with her shame, but with his grace. And that was really the story of the movie. So I, I love that song, um, you know, for uh, just for Lori and I. So we had, we had a lot of good memories of, of just being up there in Nashville together, uh, just going and hang at that concert. So, uh Yeah. Glory of Love, Peter Cetera, if you're wondering, if you just heard that and go, why are they playing that? <laughs> well, just because it, it was Valentine's Day and I wanted to do that for my bride. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, you know, uh, Taylor, we uh, we didn't really talk about um, really much of the news. We talked a little bit about stuff, but a couple of big things hit on Friday. One, um, at the Durham probe, it's, yeah. it's really ironic that the Durham probe uh, dropped indictments, actual indictments for things that he was investigating, whereas the Mueller probe did nothing. They had to get people for lying to FBI agents, which is basically a charge that you get with people when you want to hurt somebody or make somebody pay, but you don't have anything else to get them on. But these these people are doing, you know, they they did bad stuff yeah they were spying on a sitting president trying to frame a sitting president it made watergate look bad i mean in this he didn't even make a big deal about it with the media he didn't go drop all these things like we're going on in the Mueller probe and nobody's covering it mm-hmm. other than fox news i think is the only one cnn msnbc 
CBS, ABC, nobody's talking about the fact that uh, they were spying on a sitting president and paying, trying to frame him. It doesn't matter that you think you didn't like him, you didn't like what he stood for. You you can't do that. That's they, illegal. They hacked White House servers. I mean, I know that is whoa. That's pretty. That's pretty bad. And you know, obviously infiltrated the Trump campaign and all that. But like that they they went so far as to hack the white house uh you know to pay people to do that uh you know that's pretty wow eye-opening right but obviously we're not going to see any sort of repercussions come back on that because of the the moment that we're in culturally which is um you know two opposing sides two opposing worldviews um but you know if we were in a different time uh, this would be like the biggest news uh biggest news story possibly of of the decade because that is very well, egregious. Well, I don't know if you remember, but back in 2020, Donald Trump was on uh, was on um, oh, oh what's uh, 60 Minutes, and he made the claim that he his campaign was being spied on, mm-hmm. and Leslie Stahl said, "Well, there's no evidence of that, and we can't air things, we can't verify, except they aired all the stuff on Trump that mm-hmm. they didn't put on." So, anyway, uh, a lot of this stuff is coming out now. And there are real indictments, uh, you know, <laughs> and the bottom line is all these news agencies aren't covering it, which just shows where we are as a country. You you, you know, you can't trust that. But the other big thing is um, Russia and, and Ukraine, um, we need to pray for the people over in the Ukraine because I don't think Russia is going to do anything except try to use them as a bargaining chip right now. He's, you know, Putin is is making a power play to try to show that um, he's trying to show that, uh, you know, we, we control this area and, you know, we won't go in and attack if you don't do this. I think he's using it to try to get them not to be part of NATO, not to have more troops over there and a lot of that stuff. So uh, he, you know, he's I would say the Russian people uh as a whole, like he's more of a moderate as as much as we see him as like, oh, this crazy guy. He's more of a moderate in Russia. And, you know, the Ukraine is what it's been called by a lot of people. Right. The the border country like it. It got its own national identity uh, through really communist atroc- atrocities. But for a long time, it was seen as the outpost and the outer workings of Russia. And then, you know, when the communist uh the regime there, the Soviet Union collapsed, we said, hey, look, we're not going to go past Germany with NATO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were like, hey, let everything, let people, let it open up and we won't move forward. And now, you know, we're talking about moving troops and, and getting uh, NATO to be part. I think part. they put troops over near Poland, near right. the other border. But also trying to get uh, Ukraine into NATO and if maybe not openly, uh, at least de facto, be part of NATO. And so Russia, I can see why they would be worried. That's not to say that... <laughs> Yeah, Putin is still a, a, a thug uh, at the end of the day. But as far as the American people, I don't know if we really have any business. You know, I don't think it's in our interest at all as Americans to be involved in that in any way. So uh, hopefully it's just uh, him, you know, using, like you say, like a bargaining chip to make sure he gets certain concessions. But, you know, there's a whole lot of Russians, like half the country is uh, speaks Russian there in the Ukraine. <laughs> so if he, you know, if he wanted to, and take over, you know, just a little border thing, kind of like, uh, you know, how Germany did before World War II. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might think that, oh, you know, that's an objective that we can achieve. And if we then respond like, hey, we're going at you, 
boy, buckle up, because that's going to be bad news. Yeah, it will be. Well, well, uh, you know, this week we are looking at salvation, the salvation message Paul preached, which is the same Paul me- uh, salvation message Stephen preached, which is the same salvation message Peter preached, which is not necessarily a lot of times the salvation message we hear in the U.S. Uh, the uh, the salvation message Paul preached in Acts chapter 13 was not the salvation message that the Jewish leaders were looking for in that day or a lot of the Jewish people. They were looking to be delivered from Rome. Rome had come in. They had uh, taken over their country, God's country, and they believed Messiah was going to make things right. But for them, making things right prim- uh, revolved primarily around restoring them back to their land and um you know we've been on this journey of acts and we're in acts 13 but luke wrote acts to a guy named theophilus and he was explaining the spread of the gospel how the gospel message spread from jerusalem to rome and uh, we see it continuing now to go spread to that last part of acts 1 8 to the ends of the earth and um Paul and Barnabas are the two primary players. Uh, remember the first part of Acts, Acts 1 through 12, Peter's and uh, the apostles are the primary players. But in the second part, it's it's Paul and Barnabas and Paul and his traveling companions. And the first part of Acts deals primarily with the gospel going to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. The last part is the ends of the earth. The first part is primarily a Jewish-looking church. I mean, predominantly made up of Jewish people. In the latter part uh, of Acts, we see all these Gentile churches popping up. And so uh, that's where we are this week. We're going to look at Acts 13, uh, 13 through 39. And uh, as we as we look at this section, um, there's three, three main ideas that we want to cover. We're going to look at his sovereignty today, the proclamation of his sovereignty and the message Paul lays out today. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the provision of his salvation. And then um, on uh, uh, Wednesday, we're going to look at the purpose of his son. I mean, the purpose of Jesus. Why did Jesus came? Uh, why did he come? Everybody uh, knows generally why he came, but practically, why did he come? What impact does it have on my life, the fact that Jesus came? And so... We're hoping this week that as you uh, look, listen, maybe read the text, that you will move from a knowledge of Jesus if you don't have a intimate relationship with him to what I call experiential relationship with Jesus. Uh, you, you basically move from just an intellectual assent to a conviction Today, are you at a point in your spiritual walk where you would say you just believe in Jesus or you're convicted that he is who he said he was and he's your king? Uh, I, I think that the vast majority of people, Taylor, are probably people who just believe intellectually mm-hmm. in the facts about Jesus the way they believe about George Washington. Oh, they would say they're believers because they go to church every Sunday and they open their Bibles. They may read their Bibles. They they may give. They they may even have taught Sunday school, gone on mission trips. 
but are they really convicted to where it impacts their life on a daily basis where they understand they're under his authority, they're under his leadership, and they live that way? I mean, like, when you, let's just go back in time. Let's go back to maybe the 1300s, you know, 1400s. Do you think the people over in England or 1600s, any any time during that period of time, if they were under a monarchy, do you think they know knew who ruled the land? Yeah. I mean, he set the rules, he set the tone, and nobody would have would have acted independent. I mean, there were things they could do independently there, but they knew who ruled the land, right? I mean, they didn't go check with the king about everything, but they knew what the king's rules were. They knew where they could go, when they can go, how they can go, and the king pretty much ran everything. I don't think we live our lives that way under the authority of Jesus. And Paul, in this message today uh, and this week we're going to be looking at, really lays out how salvation might look different than we think it is. Um, and we're going to we're going to look at it in the text. So, uh, again, we're going to look at uh, today specifically verses 13 through 25 and the proclamation of his sovereignty, the proclamation of God's sovereignty. And uh, we're going to see Paul's first recorded message. Remember, Acts 2, Peter's message, Acts 7, Stephen's message, and today Acts 13 where Paul pretty much does an Old Testament survey and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. So when we come back, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. Before we go, we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. Radio. That is Austin French with Freedom Hymn. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through, what are we going through today? Well, today we're just going 13 through 25. Okay. But basically, uh, we're looking at um, Paul's first recorded message and, you know, the, the sovereignty of God being proclaimed by his word. Throughout scripture, we see that. Uh I don't know why people struggle with that term, God's sovereignty, um, and salvation. He He's chosen people since the beginning of time. He chose Abraham. He could have chose other people. He did, you know, he didn't choose Abraham's brothers. He chose Abraham. Um, he didn't choose Ishmael. He chose Isaac. 
He didn't choose uh, Esau. He chose Jacob. Uh, but yet people get really upset. They they say it's not fair to say that God would choose somebody that makes us a robot. I don't think Jacob had a problem with God choosing him or Abraham or Isaac. And God's the one who determines what's fair if, if he's God. And so I want to read what um, the prophet Isaiah said. Actually, God through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 46, verse 9 and if you're listening today, I'd like you to just kind of keep this as the the lens through which you kind of see the scriptures we look at today. Let this be kind of a guiding uh, thought for you, where God says, I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, things not yet done. In other words... I set the pace for history. History's my story. I'm setting the pace for it. And, you know, when we hear that, a lot of times we just apply that to Israel, but we don't think about our own personal life. We, we, we think about our choices. You know, I wanted to be a pilot or I wanted to be an FBI agent or I wanted to go to this school or I want, but God's sovereign in determining those things. He's sovereign. Everything that happens to us goes through his hands. And even sometimes bad things that we go, wow, why would he allow that? That drives us to him. Remember the analogy? I think I shared it. I don't know if I shared it at SWAT or on the radio last week, but where the father was uh, trying to help the child with something and the child didn't want the father's help. It was Paul Tripp. And so he said, I walked down that I walked out of the room and just went down the hall and let him get so frustrated with it that he finally came down there and said, hey, Dad, would you help me now? Because he was so exacerbated by the fact he couldn't do it. It was too complicated for him. And I think we do that with God a lot. We try to manipulate our life, control our life, figure out our life, instead of just trusting him, resting in him. Uh, And so his sovereignty is what Paul is proclaiming in these first you know, 20-something verses, uh, or actually 12, um, I think it's 12, 13 verses. But we're just going to look at the proclamation of God's sovereignty in the text. He takes them literally through an Old Testament survey uh, from Genesis all the way up through um, Abraham and through uh, Samuel the prophet and uh, the judges and King David to Jesus. And he just lays it out how Jesus is not a breakaway from Judaism. That's what they were struggling with. Christianity is not a breakaway. Jesus is true Judaism, and that's the point that he keeps hammering home. So if uh, you would read verses 13 through 25, we'll come back and we'll we'll make some comments about that. And I may stop you on the way, so, uh, so we'll just... But if you if you want to follow with us, if you're at home, you can open your Bible to Acts 13, verses 13 through 25, and uh, Taylor's going to read if you don't have a Bible. All right. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Wait, John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, left them. It says, and we know from a later text, Paul was not happy about that. He deserted them. He He quit. And sometimes in the Christian life, it's tough, and you quit what you're supposed to be doing. 
you leave. I mean, he was obviously being discipled by Barnabas at this point. Barnabas was his cousin. And for some reason, personality conflict, uh, maybe he didn't like the way Paul was taking over because from this point on you see Paul as kind of the leader. Um, but maybe he didn't like the fact that nobody was responding uh, hardly in uh, Paphos when they were there. Maybe he didn't like the fact that Elemus, Elemus or Elemus um, was blinded and he was, you know, they're still trying to share with pagans. And so whatever, he left. And it just makes a passing comment there that he left. But then it says they went on. And so go ahead and keep reading. All right. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. Okay, right there. That little phrase means nothing to me and you. Because we, you know, we hear that. But what if I said, you know, um, Paul and Barnabas left L.A. and walked to, uh, you know, to 29 Palms, California, uh, or walked to Las Vegas? You know they got to go through the mountains, right? Mm -hmm. You know they got to go through the desert because you're familiar with that land. Yeah. Well, Paul and Barnabas, when they left and went to Antioch of Pisidia, they had to go through the Taurus Mountains in southern Turkey. It was treacherous. They were sheer cliffs, dangerous winding canyons, um, literally 1,000-foot drop-offs, and there were robbers all through it. And a lot of people think that uh, over in Second uh, or Corinthians, where Paul uh, in Second Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 11 says, I've been in dangers from the wilderness, dangers from robbers, you know, and dangers from rivers. He was talking about there on that trip, on that first missionary journey. So sometimes when we, we, we read things in Scripture, especially if it's cities, you know, try to go to a map and see where it is. Mm-hmm. See, these guys walked 100 miles through this very treacherous terrain, and, and they were doing that because their king wanted them to. They had been sent by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes God's going to ask you to do some hard things. Maybe it's loving somebody you don't want to love. Maybe it's not being with somebody you really want to be with, but God says, no, this is not a good person for you. Maybe um, it's being obedient when you see no fruit. Whatever it is God asks you to do, oh, he's your king. He's my king. And if he asks us to do something, we've got to do it. But I just bring that out because, you know, that 100-mile journey was tough and dangerous, and yet it's, it's not it's not even acknowledged by Luke as that because the, the hearers would have understood that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so go ahead. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. All right, so so. What they've done now, they go into Antioch of Pisidia and they go into the synagogue. And and there's an order of service in the synagogues that's the same in every synagogue in the world. And what it was is they started off with the Shema, which is just like we do at our SWAT. We say the Shema. So they said the Shema, then they prayed, and then they had a reading of scriptures, both from the Pentateuch, one of the first five books, and the prophets. Then after that, the guy who read the reading, they had prescribed readings on a three-year period that took them through every one. 
and then somebody would teach a short teaching, maybe five, ten minutes, and then they would discuss it. And if there was a competent guest, they would invite that guest to speak. Well, Paul was there, and they invited him to speak. And that's when he stands up and he says, men of God, or men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And then he takes them through Genesis, Exodus, uh, Numbers, Joshua, Judges. And so when you read each one, I'm just going to stop and say the chapter or say the book as Paul is taking them through this Old Testament survey. Okay, so go ahead and read verse 17. Uh, okay, so drop down to 17. I didn't read 16. Oh, go ahead and read 16. Then I'm So sorry. Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. Okay, so the God of Israel chose our fathers. He chose. He's sovereign. And he made them great. They didn't make themselves great. He made them great. And what did it say there about Egypt? During their stay in the land of Egypt. So why were they in Egypt? They were enslaved for 400 years. So he's covered Genesis by the promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, and and the other fathers, Jacob and Isaac, and, and Exodus. So he covers Genesis and Exodus in verse 17. Go ahead and read verse 18. And with uplifted arms he led them out of it. And eighteen, and for those forty years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Okay, so he said he led them out. That's the great exodus, right? That was what they were known. I mean, when you think about the great acts of God in the Bible, He did it. He did this. He led them. So He led them out of Egypt. They He put up with them. I think that's interesting. That that's the way Paul phrased it. He put up with them in the wilderness. That's a book of Numbers. And then what does it say? And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. That's that's the book of Joshua. That's the conquest of the nations. So all that took 450 years, uh, 400 years in Egypt, four, uh, ten, uh, 40 years in the, in the wandering, and then 10 years in the conquest. Go ahead. All this took place about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Okay. So now he's into the book of Judges, and uh, our buddy Tommy Nelson says, the book of Judges is about old guys who didn't teach young guys about the sovereignty of God. And so everybody thought they could do what they want in their with their own eyes. Do you think we're at that place now? Yeah. Uh, you think everybody just does what they want. So that's the book of Judges. But it says he gave them Samuel, a prophet. There was a blessing. There was a cycle that he led them through blessing the people would turn he would use a gentile nation to bring judgment then they would cry out and he would raise up a judge who would deliver him they did not want samuel they didn't want a preacher they wanted a political leader so they asked him for a king instead of acknowledging his kingship and when we come back i want to finish out this little section through 25 and Um, people can call if they want all right you're listening to swat radio stay tuned we'll be back with more after the break If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store. 
or over the internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is Need to Breathe with Brother. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 25 today. Um, This is Paul's first recorded sermon, and we're going into that. I'll be talking about that throughout the week. Uh, If you would like to join the discussion, we're going to finish up through 25, and then we'd love to have you call in and join the discussion or ask questions. You can do that at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email your questions and uh, comments at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, Taylor, let's go back to the text. And uh, I, I was, we, were, we were talking about in Samuel, as Paul is talking to them and sharing uh, truth with them about their history, he brings up the fact that they, they, they wanted a king. They didn't want a preacher. God gave them Samuel the prophet. But they wanted, they didn't want to be accountable to God. They wanted God's blessing, but no accountability. And so they they screamed out for a, um, a, a political leader, and they got Saul. And so you got to be careful what you ask for because uh, they got exactly what they asked for. If you look to politics to solve your problems, you're going to end up in a bad way mm-hmm. because only uh, only God is is sovereign over everything he's not flawed he's perfect and uh, so god reveals through his word and through this message of uh paul that uh, the people wanted a king and he gave him one but what does it say about saul there verse 21 yeah then they asked for a king and god gave them saul the son of kish a man of the tribe of benjamin for 40 years and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king. Of who, whom, wait, who removed? God. Who put in David? God. Yeah. He's sovereign over who's in the White House, who's in the governor's office, who's in the mayor's office, who's the head of your school, your teacher, your parent. He's sovereign over every one of those things. Okay, go ahead. All right. He raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. All right. So he found a man who would do all his will. 
That's what it means to be a man after his heart. Are you willing to do his will? Are you listening out there today and running from God in some way? Are you listening out there and you're, you tend to be more like Saul than like David? David was not perfect. He was an adulterer. David was a murderer. And absent, you could say almost an absentee father. Uh, if you yeah, look at absent, for pretty, pretty yeah. much. And he had all kind of issues. But you know what David did have going for him? That when he was confronted by God, he repented. Mm. When God brought the truth to bear in his life that he had been disobedient, he repented and said, I don't want to be that way because he was growing. None of us are perfect. We're going to. We are going to um, we're going to continually be challenged because we're human and we're frail and we're we're broken people, and so the issue is not our perfection, but it's the direction of our life and our loyalty. Who are we ultimately loyal to? Um, Saul said he, Saul wanted to be his own king. He didn't want God to be his king, and so. Um, David wanted to build God a house. He wanted a permanent place. First thing David did when he became king, when God put him in there, is he went and got the ark. Why? Because he wanted his Bible. That's where the Bible was. It was in the ark, the Torah, the five laws. You know, he wanted that. The law read. The kings had a, they had a command to read the law. You know, every year they were to read that law to remind the people of God's word. And, uh, and so God made a covenant with David called the Davidic covenant. And David wanted to build God a permanent house. He said, no, you're not going to build it. I will let your son build a place where my name will dwell. But God told David, I will make a a house out of you. I'm going to give you a heritage. I'm going to give you a lineage that will you will have somebody rule forever and ever. And, you know, back in Isaiah 11, the prophet Isaiah talked about a shoot coming out of the root of Jesse. And that means David's dad. That's who he's talking about. And the word shoot in Hebrew is Netzer. Did you know that? It's Netzer. And Nazareth is Netzereth. It's really, if you were using a modern slang for it, it'd be called shootville, like where the shoot comes out of. Mm-hmm. And so where did Jesus grow up? That's where he grew up, in Nazareth. I mean, he's fulfilling prophecy there. Over 300 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus, 300 in Messiah coming. And so um, David was was the king that God said, I'm going to bless you. And then what does he say in verse 23? Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Hmm. You know, here's the thing. John the Baptist did a baptism of repentance. This is not the end of Judaism. This is the fulfillment of it. He was not telling people, Hey, we're starting a new uh, way to believe. He was bringing the truth. And when they said, are you the Messiah? He said, I'm not even worthy to untie this guy's sandals or to tie sandals. This, it, his humility, it was not about him. It was about Jesus. It always was. And 
Jesus is not a departure from true Judaism. He was the savior of this man's offspring, the fulfillment of that prophecy. Read that verse again, verse 23. Of of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. He brought to Israel a savior. Paul has now taken the listeners from Abraham to John the Baptist. He's taken them to Jesus as John the Baptist prepared the way. And now he's told him Jesus is the savior. He's the Messiah. He is the one. And, you know, Jesus is the dividing line. We're going to see this week at SWAT when we get into the epilogue of Paul's message, the last part. Jesus is always the dividing line. You can talk about God all day long, but when you bring up Jesus, people get really nervous. There's there's something about it when you mention the name Jesus that it, it separates. And Paul had the people in the audience listening up to this point. They were they were with him until he hit the Jesus part. When he got I mean, when he got to David, they were like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he mentioned Jesus and some of them probably really had a problem with that. We're gonna see that. Um as we look at how he exemplifies. But don't miss this one point over and over and over in what you read, all those verses you read, God gave. It was God. God is in control. So if you're struggling out there, if you um, feel like uh, there's no hope for you because you're in pain, no hope for you because things aren't working out, no hope for you, because you see no way for things to work out. God just wants you to trust him. He wants you to need him. He wants you to cry out to him. He wants you to be like that little kid uh, who went to, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. He does Paul Tripp, Paul Tripp's child who didn't want his dad's help. And then he said, no, dad, I really do need your help. I need your help. And I think that's what it is sometimes. Sometimes, God gets our attention. I've had a lot of attention getters in my life. And he just wants us to cry out to him. He is such a merciful God. He is such a good God. And um, the whole story of Hosea is about that. That's why I love that movie, Redeeming Love, because it's just about God loving those who don't feel worthy of his love, those who don't feel like they can receive his love. You know, to reject his love, is nothing but an act of pride. Self-pity can be pride, too. And he's just saying, just acknowledge your brokenness. Acknowledge your rebellion. Acknowledge the fact that you've, you've kind of spurned my love and say, I don't want to do that anymore, and receive it. And let his word do like David. When David went and got the ark, he went and brought the word back to Israel Bring the word into your life. Read the Bible. Hang around people that love God and love Jesus. Guard your relationships. Guard your heart against putting things into your mind and your life that are counter to the great one true living God, Yahweh. Let him be your God like he was for David, like he was for Joseph, like he was for Abraham. All these great Old Testament saints, if they were here today, they would be in a local church somewhere as a Christian because even though they never saw Jesus down the cross, they believed in faith that God was their redeemer. And he is. Yeah. I mean, 
what more can be said. I I think, you know, looking at this text, um, it's interesting to me that, you know, as you mentioned, asking for a king was a, a rejection of God, right? And yet yeah. through that, he used that to uh, not only say to David, like, I'm going to make your 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 flesh, your 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 descendant, one of your descendants is going to be, you know, a living tabernacle, basically, um, you know, in Jesus, but also that, uh, like, he took that king, that idea of kingship that uh, he was supposed to be their king, and they mm-hmm. asked for a new king, mm-hmm. and and through that, through that same line, uh, he again was their king, and again, and, and that's through Jesus, and it's just his, as you talk about his sovereignty. Like that was kind of my takeaway. Like, man, that's that's awesome, really. You know, and I don't think we really think about that a lot. That he took something that was a rejection, an outright re- refutation of him, and and turned it and worked it for good. Yeah, yeah. So I hope uh, you'll stay with us this week. It's really, a, really tomorrow is a great uh, text um, twenty six through thirty seven about his salvation, and I stress his salvation. What does salvation really mean? You know, when people say, are you saved? We have a different meaning than I think what God says in the text. And so tomorrow, that's what we're going to be talking about. All right. So make sure you tune in for that. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great Valentine's Day. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening 